Welcome to Modern Homemakers. I'm Leah Parker, and I'm here with Donna Otto, the author of several books and speaker of several topics. <laughs> and today she will be talking to us about the three attributes of Christ in this Holy Week. Mm, thank you, Leah. I love talking about this subject. Um, I, I think that's true of all of us. Whatever we invest in time, mm, materials, finances, we, we grow we grow more in love with it. And I can I can seriously remember, I don't remember what year it was, but I can seriously remember when I said, I want to make this time different than I'd ever made it before. So this has been a lot of years I've been working on this, and you're right, Leah, I have a lot of subjects. <laughs> this um, preparation, though, for Advent, and Easter. Uh, there are many things I think I'm very proud I did, and I've done a lot of things I never expected to do that God called me to do. But I do think that this notion of helping families, the basket, the synoptic readings, this play, um, I really, that play I did in 1977, I had no idea that nobody even knew what podcasting was in 1977. <clears throat> but I think it's excuse me, uh, one of those hallmarks of which I'm really glad I've helped families do. So it's a powerful week. We've been talking about it. We've talked about all our resources. But I think I want to give you what I would call a distillation, a perspective, a historical perspective of who Christ was and the way he handled this week of weeks. And the three words... If I were giving you a three-point outline, there'd be three H words, heart, humility, and honor. Heart, humility, and honor. And if I were giving you a passage, I am giving you a passage, not if I were, I would send you to Luke chapter 19, verse 28 through 44. It's, uh, it's an overview. Remember, all the gospel writers looked at it differently. It's an overview of this week. And Luke uh, starts in verse 28, and he's talking about his time going up to Jerusalem, stopping and looking, coming from Jericho, Bethpage, and Bethany. And then in verse 29, he says, go to the disciples. Go, go. Fulfillment of prophecy. Go. He takes this ride with the donkey. The man says, okay, the, the donkey is available. They're on the west side of the Mount of Olives. Um, this, this whole triumphal entry part shows uh, how Christ has made this journey in a way that he's given his heart to it, and he's doing it humbly. I can only imagine... And I've had a few times where there's been a standing ovation or somebody says something that I honestly feel. I wish I could say I felt humbled. And my husband often says to me, you're kind of hard on yourself. But what I often feel is embarrassed. Like, oh, no, don't say that about me. I, I know myself so well, and I'm not all of those things. But... This was really an extraordinary stopping for Christ. This was a giving of his heart, an understanding of what he'd been called to do, an understanding of what was 
to come. And he, all through the Gospels, all through the three years of ministry, he's telling these boys, this is going to happen. When I go away, where are you going? When I come back, when are you coming back? And I, I know I've mentioned this, but I really have enjoyed watching the series The Chosen on television. There's a visual, and I'm very visual. The actors, and nothing is perfect. No, they're not. It's not exactly what the scripture says. They take a little license, but not much. But there are these voices and faces. And Matthew, who is eccentric in the play, in the chosen series, but he's so intense about Christ. I think I relate to that. I'm so intense. Um, he has compassion. His heart has compassion for Jerusalem. He has compassion for the people who want to stop waving palms at him. That's not his heart. He's a meek, mild, humble man. And yet he knows by virtue of accomplishing the prophecies that this has to happen. The city will be in ruins because they would not ex accept what he was talking to him about. This was a serious matter. These were matters of the heart. And I'm going to give you a few passages of scripture. If you would like to look into this heart issue, the matters of the heart of Christ, I'm going to read one verse to you found in John chapter 17, 11. And John is without a doubt the most unusual interpreter, the most different interpreter of the life of Christ. So John chapter 17, verse 11, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Edition, verse 11. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them in your name, Protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I remember reading that and thinking, how could you possibly be thinking of all the things that were going on, everything that he knew, the whole week of weeks, everything that had to happen to, to fulfill all the prophecies. And he pauses and he says to the Father, would you make sure, Lord, would you make sure, my Father, that they will understand that they are, that I am coming to you to fulfill the prophecies. Mark 8, 34, he speaks of his devotion to Christ. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. Um, this is not about doing more. This is about doing what God has called him to do. So his heart is evidence in this. The second of this word is humility. Hmm. We had a pastor who was the pastor of our church for about 25 years, and we sat in his teachings weekly. And he often said, everybody wants to be a servant. Everyone wants to be humble, but no one wants to be treated like a servant. And when you say, I'm going to go out and serve someone, the minute they treat you like a servant, you go, I want to get out of here. Uh, humility is a lowly, submissive place. It's a place of pridelessness. The book of Philippians, written to the church at Philippi, talks about how to live 
of the Christian life. And Paul was really sending a letter of thanks, but he decided to create a few issues. And one of them was this personal ambition. In chapter 2 of Philippians 1 through 4, he talks about unitedness, about being in one mind and one accord, about unity, about encouragement, about consolation, about comfort, about fellowship with the Spirit. And he, he tenderly says it from his heart. And as I was reading that passage, I thought, Jesus, who is the Savior, is describing to us by living his life in such a humble way, a lowly way, a submissive way. He, he is showing us what unity looks like. So practical unity to be of the same mind, the same love, the same spirit, the same purpose. That is coming to agreement with other people. We live in a culture right now. We are not coming to agreement with other people. We are not in any way. We, we are scared to death to say one word about many subjects without creating a storm. I'm recording this lesson um, before the week of weeks, and just yesterday there was another one of these tragic losses of life by an individual who decided to take a gun and shoot up some young people and their advisors in a school situation. That is certainly not a demonstration of having selfless ambition about being humble, about regarding others more importantly than yourself. The virtue that's needed is the reduction of pride. The Proverbs tells us that pride goes before the fall. Pride goes before destruction. And First John talks about the boastful, boastful pride of life. God hates pride. He wants us to look at Christ's example and follow it. He was the supreme example of humility. He enters the city knowing that he is entering a place where he will carry the cross, be crucified, enter into death, and come again. A powerful witness of what the human Christ I don't know about you, but I often fall down in remembering that Christ was in the flesh like I am, in the flesh like I am, like you are. He was a nurturing form of God, a deity, an incarnation, one with God, and they did not like that, and so they chose to prepare to kill him. He was humble about it. The things people said were blasphemy. The things people said were horrific. And as they pummel him in the walking of the cross, the, the tone of it, the tenor of it, the loudness of it, the absence of peace, or even simple kindness, the blasphemy, they shouted and treated him. He was a man like us, except he describes his way through the scripture. They describe him as a man of humility when he could have broken himself away, the God of the universe, instead of seeking to honor his father, humbled himself. He humbled himself. And the last was he was a man of honor, a name which is a name above every name, the priestly prayer in John seventeen five, 
where he describes the resurrection, the ascension, the glorification of the Father who is now at the right hand, the right place of honor. I had this very quirky but extremely interesting opportunity to visit with a man who is a Byzantine leader. You know where Byzantine era was? Like a very long time ago, let's just say. And as he made the sign of the cross over his body, I noticed it was odd. And he started at the top. For those of you who make the sign of the cross to remind yourself of the Trinity, the Father at your forehead, and it goes all the way down sort of in your mid-gut, Father, Son, and you go right, and Holy Spirit. And the Byzantine scholar made the sign of the cross just as we do, or if you do it, Father, and then he went to the right side. And he looked at me because he saw that I was watching him. He said, well, we believe that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, so we make the cross by starting at the right hand and going left. Now, that is just trivia. But there was something very powerful about the fact that I paused and I thought, that's where he is. Mm -hmm. And the scripture clearly says that when he left here, he went to be with his father at the right hand of the father where he does what? He intercedes for us Mm -hmm. on our behalf. So this extraordinary life of Christ shows his honor that he is calling us and helping us to recognize that every knee, every knee will know and bow to him. Isaiah 45 and 23, every knee in heaven and in earth and under the earth, all will bend their knee as Jesus himself did. He calls us to do this. And as I was thinking about it for this week, I thought, I bend my knee, but sometimes I do it grumbling and complaining. I I sort of, I literally had this attitude that says, I don't want to, but I will, you know, like, I will, I'll do it. And I think to myself, where is the honor in that? Where is the honor in recognizing what Christ has called me to do is to continue to humble myself before him, to go the whole way, to to live a humble life. I will never forget a physical picture of humility that was not intentional. She did not do it because she wanted everyone to look at her and say, see how humble I am. It was a very private moment. We were picking her up from the airport. There were three of us, or maybe there were five of us, because it was a three-seater van, and the driver, of course, was in the front seat. She refused to sit in the front seat, and as they opened the back, she very nimbly, five foot nine inches tall, quite thin, climbed all the way to the back of the van and sat there. I can hardly say that without thinking. It was like, uh, it was just the thing to do. She didn't pause and say, hmm, maybe I should do that. Maybe I shouldn't. Where shall I sit? Tell me where to sit. I'll, no. She just went to the back of the bus and sat there. Elizabeth Elliot was a wonder woman. I, I 
think about her so often. She had such great influence on me. She was not perfect. She was not God. I know you know that. But she did so many things that revealed how hard she tried to live a humble life herself. And there she was in the back of the van. I think I reveal my own sin to myself more quickly than I reveal it to anyone else. Um, I, I look around and I want to give honor to people. And sometimes I think I want to give honor to people because I want them to know that I'm giving them honor instead of just giving them honor. We don't want to be a slave. We want to be a servant. But when we choose to act like a servant, we get offended because someone's treating us like a slave. Our pastor was right. It's a hard position. But this week, as you are looking at the life of Christ, as you are looking through the week of weeks and the things that happened to him, the places he was put in, the people who questioned him, the fact that they preferred a common a common thief over him, and they released Barabbas, the fact they made him to carry the weight of that cross. This life of Christ in the last week of his life, when all the things that were happening show us so clearly his heart, his humility, and his honor for God. And I pray that you, too, will think about these thoughts this week. Thank you again, Donna, for that. Mm. I think um, when I hear your teaching, I always feel like the the attribute I struggle with the most is humility of Christ, <laughs> because I it's so unearthly to know what was coming, for, to, to have the idea that to know it was coming, to stand there and to do it humbly, when we know a pinky finger could have ended it. Exactly. <laughs> and he still did it. So it's it's always yeah. such a great reminder. Oh, thank you. It is. So we are modern homemakers. And remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make your day uncommon with remembering the three attributes of Christ. <laughs>